one. Boom, there it is, ladies and gents. We are back. It is Monday. Do you know where you are in your business? And I'm talking about numbers. Uh, I know, accounting. Ah, well, if you don't know where you are, you should. That's what this episode's all about. So let's jump into today's program. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Plus. All right, ladies and gents, who do we got on the show today? Sales are the lifeblood of any business, and how you track those sales and the expenses and the cash flow, your guess is as good as mine. But if you're like most people, you're going to try to take this task on yourself. The problem is you're not a CPA. You're not an accountant. So the task is something that you dread and you put off until tax time. That means that you're running your business reactively instead of proactively. And that's why you become stressed, overwhelmed, and eventually you burn out. Today's guest is here to help with virtual accounting services for marketing agencies and nonprofit organizations. They're here to help get your numbers right so you can get busy doing what you do best. So let's welcome to the show from betterwaycpa.com, Chris Hervochon. Chris, welcome to the program, my friend. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, dude. We're going to jump. Yeah, man. It's all about having some fun, dude. That's it, <laughs> I love man. That. I-, I figure this is the internet. I can do whatever I want while I'm on it. <laughs> I mean, That's right. That's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into this thing, man. Uh, my background, just so you're aware, my degree is in accounting. I've had a tax practice since about 2006. And I've sat with people that literally show up super organized. And I've sat with people who show up with a bunch of receipts in a box. I've had uh, both both metrics. Why did you get into accounting? Oh, good question. Um, the short answer is my dad talked me into it. <laughs> the long answer is I've always liked money i mean going back to when i was a kid going back to the lemonade stand in the neighborhood right um so it's just one of those things where somewhere along the line somebody talked me into it the idea that it is the language of business and i've always liked business and i think that that's accurate but uh, that's you know the short end of why i got into accounting we're not just doing this for money we're doing it for a shitload of money that's the bottom line, dude. All right. So right. you got into this. You built, uh, you could have just built your own firm. You could have just had clients, number of different ways. Uh, but you're focusing your attention on marketing agencies and nonprofits. Why that route? That's right. Uh, so the marketing agency route, because mostly they're, I mean, they're just fun people. That's mostly why we do it. The other reason why we do it is because they are service-based businesses. They operate a lot like accounting practices operate, which is a, which is a good thing. And I've got this phobia of inventory. So that's the short answer same, there. bro. Same. I don't, I don't yeah. blame you, man. Yeah. It's just one of those tricky things. I'm all about automation and streamlining things and building out workflows and inventory does not lend itself well to that. So I want to be in like the service-based business realm. He ain't lying. Inventory sucks, bro. Like doing inventory is, is one of those things that 
Uh, I commend you, uh, any of you CPAs or people out there. I hope you have some just in time <laughs> or software to help you out because doing it manually, that just sucks. Yeah. All right. So dad convinced you to get in this space. You decided mm -hmm. to focus on service base because I don't like inventory and I agree with you. Uh, what's that journey been like? I mean, people start firms all the time. They're not always as successful and sometimes they just get done with doing these things. How's it, how's yeah. it been going for you? Uh, it's like a... 12 year overnight success, I guess. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way we do the, things. Yeah. Probably like a lot of your listeners can, can identify with, um, one of those things that starts as a side hustle and then it becomes a business or an accidental business. And then it becomes an actual business. It's where we are now. It's an actual business, but I started as a side hustle a dozen years ago. This is my 12th year. And it was just one of those things. I just wanted to make some extra money and there was some extra money to be made in bookkeeping and tax. And that's how I got started. And I had a full-time corporate job when I was doing that. And it just grew through referrals and word of mouth. And then I did some extra consulting for a CPA firm that wasn't mine. And, you know, that was good. It was good revenue. And it just got to the point where I was in corporate America and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be my own boss and have control over my own destiny. And so I decided, look, I'm going to go and, and give this thing my full attention and build it and here we are it's i just celebrated my fourth birthday like three days ago so nice congratulations yeah, dude Appreciate congratulations that. well it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day yeah exactly yeah <laughs> thanks sean uh great movie by the way amazing movie the rock has got some great yeah. lines in it yeah can't complain uh, right. So let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of accounting. Uh, there's many different routes that people end up in this space, right? Usually it has something to do with, I need to fix my books or damn it, I got to file my tax return. And so mm -hmm. they end up learning two different things or people who get in this space go in different uh, avenues. I started in the tax route. So uh, I was CTEC certified. I was learning a bunch of stuff and I was like, yes, this is very interesting to me. I should probably find out more. Went back to school, got my degree in accounting. What was your path like? Started as a golf pro. Yes. <laughs> <Just like doing laughs> of course you would go into books after playing golf, man. <laughs> of course, right? Uh, yeah, started as a golf pro. I did that for five minutes. And that, that was, so this is now what, 2007. I was like, look, it, the, the golf pro thing is not going well. I need to actually go get a real job. I have a degree. Let's go, you know, make some actual money. And the first job I got was as a forensic accountant, which was cool. Totally different. Um, my audit instructor at, in college, he talked a lot about forensic accounting. He was actually more of a forensic accountant than he was an auditor. And so he kind of piqued my interest in school. And so I was super excited to get into that job. Did that for three and a half years. Then I got into corporate accounting and did that for a couple of organizations, went through some mergers and acquisitions and that sort of fun stuff. And where I ended up in corporate America was as a finance director for um, a line of business in a healthcare uh, company. And when I was in that role is when I decided I'm going to go out, go out on my own. And I figured out kind of just through my work experience in accounting and building automation while simultaneously also doing this side hustle, working for other small businesses, that there was a fit between the two things that I really like doing in my day to day job, which was forecasting and automating that and building out workflows and quality control and things like that and taking that and applying it to small business. So I figured there's a, there's a need there and let's go explore that. And that's kind of how I ended up, you know, with the firm that I've got and the way that we focus on what we focus on. 
All right, so let's focus on them then. Marketing agencies, uh, I kind of stumbled across mine, right? Uh, my background, again, taxes, insurance, real estate, yep. that space. Decided to get into this thing called podcasting and to get in front of more people and tell them what it is you do. And it kind of opened the door to the marketing agency. It kind of fell in my lap. People started to ask, hey, how do you create that kind of content? Can you do this for me? Can you help me start yep. a podcast? Uh, and I wonder if that's the case with a lot of marketing agencies. They kind of get good at doing it for themselves and then they they branch out. The agencies that you talk to, what are some of the major issues that you see maybe early on as they're becoming an agency that you help them kind of work through because you see the writing on the wall, the problems that arise, or maybe uh, they don't see the problems yet? Yeah, for sure. And we see a lot of that kind of like accidental ownership of a business where you started out, it's a side hustle or you were doing this thing for another company, similar to how I got started. And you want to go do it on your own because you want that freedom in various you know, ways like time, money, that sort of thing. So we see a lot of that. Um, so when you go and you start an agency, your background is usually in something creative, which doesn't necessarily mean that you've got that nuts and bolts accounting background. Uh, maybe you took an accounting class or two in college and the folks that we work with, like they probably hated it, <laughs> right? So it's <laughs> yep. why we've got a job. Um, so we see a lot of that. And there's a lot that comes with that, though, uh, where we kind of fill in the gaps. Like, number one, like, where do I pay taxes? Who do I pay taxes to? When hmm. do I pay them? How much are they going to be? Everybody's always concerned about the tax thing because the IRS has, has historically done a really good job of kind of getting into the back of everybody's mind that they're going to come beat down your door if you miss some sort of a filing or if you if your tax is like $10 underreported, right? They've done a really good job in pop culture of <laughs> of making they're sure the that people have that fear. entity in yeah. the US. <laughs> yeah, and they're not, but whatever. That's that's the it's the rep that they've got. So everybody's always concerned about tax. So we fill in that gap. And then apart from that, it's just having that financial data so that we can help you figure out what questions you need to ask of the business. And then the financial data allows you to answer those questions about the business so that you can make better decisions, be more profitable, things like that. So those are kind of the, the main two gaps that we fill. When you talk to uh, new clients, is it usually usually just like, hey, I need help uh, filing my taxes? Or is it like, hey, I need help doing bookkeeping? Or do they usually come on and they find you because they need both? Yeah, so we service both. And we it the split's probably 50-50. Uh, we get a lot of, well, you know, my accountant messed up my return or I don't hear from my accountant. I'm not sure what they do. Or my accountant only does taxes. and I need a little bit more help. We hear that. Or then we'll hear, you know, something along the lines of we have a bookkeeper, but we need something a little bit more. We need some more funny, uh, strategic advice, things like that. So we see it from both sides. And honestly, it's probably be, probably about 50-50 from what we hear. When you bring on a new client, um, and I've heard this from different CPAs, though every firm kind of operates differently, uh, ownership of the books, right? So here's here's something, you know, I'm, I'm working with this, you know, bookkeeper X, and I want to move over to work with you, Chris. Um, but my bookkeeper won't release the books or how do I transfer over certain data? Do I just take a PNL? What does it look like when a client is ready to work with you? What's that process like? Yeah, so that's a good question. The vast majority of the folks that we work with are already on QuickBooks Online and we are a QuickBooks Online only shop. The reason why we only use QuickBooks Online is because it's the best ecosystem. Yes, it is. So quick, right? It connects to like everything, yep. <laughs> which is great totally for what does. we want to do and how we want to do it. Um, so QuickBooks is a general ledger system for those, you know, who are, who are not nerdy accountants like I am. And, um, 
it's probably the best general ledger ecosystem out there, which is why we use it. Most businesses or most businesses that we work with are either going to be on QuickBooks or they're going to be on Zero. Occasionally, we'll see something else, but it's super rare. I don't think we've seen a different accounting system. It's been at least a year at this. Yeah, it's been exactly a year at this point since we've seen anything else other than that. So if you're using QuickBooks Online, it's fairly it's fairly easy. Um, usually our clients own uh, that subscription anyway, and they just add us as an accountant user and it's mm -hmm. it's done. Then we can go and we can pop in there. Maybe they're using QuickBooks Desktop. Maybe, probably not, but maybe if that's the case and they already own the file and it's relatively simple, we'll help them convert to online because we want that ecosystem. You can't get that ecosystem when it's on, on desktop. You just can't connect enough things to it. Um, so usually it's fairly easy. If they're on zero, like we'll, we'll convert that file into QuickBooks Online. There's ways to do that. Um, but generally, they're already on QuickBooks Online. It's just as easy as adding us as a user. So let's uh, let's uh, first of all, I'm, I'm gonna date myself here. The very first uh, te uh, well accounting software that I used was Peachtree. So I'm just gonna throw that out. There. <laughs> That's, how That's long going ago back it was. into the well. That's going way back there, dude. Oh man! But, <laughs> you ever you ever? I mean, how long ago was that? It must have been like 2003. You remember Peachtree? Yeah, but at least, it, yeah, I mean, at least it was in this century. So that's, I mean, that's a start, right? <laughs> I'll give you that when it was in this century. All right, man. Yeah, so, it was popular in the early 2000s. Like, that's it was, okay. It it's was. not that no, bad. No, online, I mean, QuickBooks Online is definitely the way to go. Um, let's talk a little bit about entries that we make in QuickBooks and things that we can use QuickBooks for, because I think it's, it's important. A lot of people end up shopping different places for different things. Uh, payroll. Processing payroll, and I've heard this again from different accounts will say one thing or the other. Your opinion, processing payroll through QuickBooks or through a third-party service like ADP? Uh, under pressure. Sponsored by. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sponsored by. Here's my referral link. Now, like we are all about best of breed tools. Um, and yet, so you, and I had this conversation earlier today. It's kind of funny. You can connect like everything through through QBO. Like you can have the payroll, you can have the time tracking, uh, you can have the general ledger system and it's all kind of in this ecosystem. It makes it theor theoretically, theoretically air quotes, uh, mm -hmm. easy to, to do like tracking and things like that. Uh, what we have found in our experience, uh, not to knock into it, but they're just not best of breed tools, but after QuickBooks. So we recommend Gusto for payroll and then we recommend other time tracking solutions, namely Harvest for, um, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm the same boat. I use I use yeah. two different softwares, <clears throat> different payroll, different tracking, QuickBooks yeah. Online. It's we just want the way best to breed tools, and then we want to be able to connect them with like a Zapier and Integra Matters, which is now Make. But we want to be able to connect them with the glue of the internet, so to speak. And as long as you as long as you have that ability, you know something that's got an API, then you can do it, and it's not really that big of a deal. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the different types of payrolls and why this is kind of important. The reason I bring it up is because in the marketing agency space, there's a lot of, uh, well, there's less and less of hiring internally and more and more hiring out in the world, right? So using VAs yep. and stuff. Um, how does that affect an agency and why would an agency want to choose or choose to use a VA versus hiring somebody in-house? So generally, it's going to be a little bit cheaper. Obviously, if you're going to go uh, and we're seeing a lot of off offshoring for a variety of roles, um, everything from creative work to VAs. So it's cheaper. That's the first. You, you can get high quality talent. That's a fraction of the cost as it, as it would be on onshore, especially now with the wage inflation and just crazy inflation. Just generally, um, it, it's certainly a lot more attractive. 
So that's one way to do it. The way that we see most often um, those folks get paid, like we'll run um, the contractor payments through Gusto now that they take international uh, contractor payments, which is a great thing. The one thing that you need to kind of make sure of, though, is that you're not breaking international labor laws like labor laws in the Philippines or India or Eastern Europe are not the same as they are here. So, and we are not experts in them by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, you know, and nor do we want to be, nor will we ever be. Um, so the recommendation that we always get there is like, look, talk to somebody who's an international PEO, so professional employment organization, and just ask them like, hey, I have this relationship with this person. Are they technically a uh, employee or are they technically a contractor in that local place? And then, you know, move forward accordingly. What you don't want to do is you don't want to get that person that who, who's doing really good work for you. You don't want to get them in trouble. You don't want to get yourself in trouble. Uh, just, you know, and the laws are different everywhere. Just make sure you're staying on top of it. Man, it's like running a business has so many rules and regulations, man. How do you even get around some of this stuff? Imagine well, that, right? Right? I mean, I didn't have any opinion or, or idea until I actually started doing it. And then I'm like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? Speaking of hows, um, there's so much data that once you have a CPA working on your books that they can give you. What are some of those reports or some of the things that you look at with marketing agencies so that they can prepare themselves to make uh, proactive choices versus waiting till tax time to make some of these decisions. Sure. The, the, my favorite thing is the cash flow forecast. And we're generally doing that on a weekly or biweekly basis. And that's going to uh, flag problems before they actually become problems. So we forecast cash on a 90 day basis, on a recurring basis. And that does a really good job of just figuring out hey, what is coming? What do we need to expect? Do we need to go? fetch more revenue? Uh, when are our clients going to pay us? Are they late paying us? Um, do we need to maybe slow down our payments to vendors? Things like that. Like all sorts of questions that you can ask around that that are just really, they're just really enlightening as far as running a business. So that's probably my my favorite thing to do is cash flow forecasting. As far as like more standard reports that business owners might be a little bit more familiar with, we always start with the cash flow statement, always. And the number that we tell our clients that's the most important number in the business period, bar none, is cash flow from operations. If your business is not mm -hmm. kicking off cash, you've got a serious problem. Because a lot of what we hear is, oh, you know, like my PL looks great, but, and it says I make all this money, but like my bank account doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And that's how you reconcile those two things. It goes from the income statement cash flow statement that'll tell you exactly where the cash is coming from where it's going to and why there's a difference between your PL and what's actually sitting in your bank account we we hear that all the time that's the feeling that folks have so that's where we start that's the most important metric um we we force our clients to to kind of listen to us about the balance sheet you know the balance sheet we tell them that's where all the bodies get buried if the, if the balance sheet's not right, that means your PL is not right because the only way to get some off the off the balance sheet basically is to clear it through the PL. Uh, so we do need to we do need to be looking at the balance sheet, and that's always an enlightening conversation to have for sure. Especially if like with a new client who's got a lot of cleanup in their books and things like that, they'll be surprised. Like, oh well, PL is great. It's the only thing I look at. Everything's fine. I'm super profitable. It's like, well, are you? Because your balance sheet's a hot mess and. Like I said, the only way to clear that off is through the PL somehow. And you know, that's where all the bodies go. So, and then we look at the income statement. So that's basically third. And that's what everybody's most interested in. But 
cash is most important because you can't pay your people on anything other than cash. You can't pay your mortgage and anything other than cash. At some point, everything turns into cash. Cash is most important. Uh, after that's the balance sheet, that's where the bodies get buried. And then after that's the income statement, that's the most important thing. That's what everybody's really concerned about. Am I making money or not? But really it's kind of the third consideration as far as I'm concerned anyway. Well, the problem with even understanding a statement of cash flows, understanding a balance sheet, understanding a profit and loss is a lot of times business owners have never really looked at those. They understand mm-hmm. a profit and loss, income, expense, net, right? They under That's yep. easy to understand. But to understand a statement of cash flows where you're looking at where's money coming in, operations, are you financing, like looking at it and understanding takes a little bit of effort. This is why you hate accounting class when you're in college, right? But what's it like when a client comes in and they've never really seen these reports or they've never worked through a lot of this stuff? Um, do When they come to you, do they get kind of that handheld, uh, let me start you from scratch education piece while they're going through oh, the yeah. reports? Oh yeah. 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 We're not, we're not, we're not sending those reports out willy nilly and just saying, Hey, here you go. Here's your cash flow statement. Good luck. No, it's, that is not the way that we do it. We're, we sit down and we walk through it. We explain the importance of it. We explain where the numbers come from. And we, we have that conversation. That's not something that we just kind of send you off into the wilderness and tell you to go figure it out. How often are they meeting with you? The mo- The more successful clients meet with us more frequently. And we have like a, monthly subscription package. And we say like, look, you can meet with us as many times as you want. The clients who take advantage of that, um, they tend to be more engaged in their business. They tend to be more interested in running it like a business as opposed to a jobby, like job slash hobby. Um, so hopefully it's at least once a month, if not more. And we, that, that- and, and we always say more is better. And, and we don't always want to be the show. We want to have the opportunity to sit down with you, sit down with your leadership team and just listen. If we can sit there and we can listen and understand how you really operate and what's really concerning you and what's really going on without actually having to be a show and just present financial information all the time, we can make it makes us much better advisors. It gives us way more context. Yeah, because you know exactly where they want to go. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. a strategy that you put in place when you're reading your statement of cash flows and you're looking at your income statement or you're looking at your accounts payable or your vendor, whatever it is, now the strategy is in place. So is it is it fair to say that when you're sitting down with with the clients you're requesting like a strategy session up front or like some of those monthly meetings like when we when we get a monthly subscription some of that time that we meet we can schedule where it's not presentation it's just uh hey come listen into our our monthly meeting or weekly meeting yeah 100 percent. we love that opportunity and uh, frankly not enough clients take advantage of it but we love to sit there in the leadership meetings and just listen even like a strategy call, like sometimes like we turn into the show at that point. Um, so it's not really even a strategy session. It's more just we sit in on your leadership team meetings. If you have a question that you want to rope us into during that conversation, like that's totally cool. And we're happy to answer it, but we don't want to be the show. We want to sit there and we want to be able to listen. Listening is is grossly underrated. and It's super important. Absolutely. So if people are driving me right now, they're like, look, I, I think I, I'm, I should get an accountant. I should get somebody to get my books in order. What is this? What does that ideal client look like? Like how much should they be bringing in in revenue? And, and when should they start looking in, you know, how many transactions per month? Like what should they be looking at where they're like, okay, yeah, it's time for me to, to move to somebody else. Yeah, that's, and that's a good question. If for, so to move to somebody else, it's really gotta be, I'm not getting what I need out of the relationship that I currently have. 
I'm not getting proactive advice. I don't know what I'm paying for. My books are still a mess. Um, you know, things like that. But if it, if you're in a situation where you just, you've never had somebody internally or externally, you, you don't have the financial expertise yourself, then yeah, you should definitely have somebody to lean on. And that goes the same for the legal realm too. There's, that's what I tell people. It's partially self-serving, but you should have a good accountant that you can lean on. You should have a good attorney that you can lean on kind of sort of for the same reason. Yeah. And um, you never know what, what kind of problems you're going to jump in or are going to pop yeah. up at any given time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what it looks like for us, uh, our client base generally revenue is 500,000 to 5 million. It's the same on both the marketing and creative agency side and as, as well as the nonprofit side on the agency side, we want to be generally either interfacing with the CEO or a COO, but generally have one main point of contact where we're working with them and, um, they're going to be the ones that really are, are concerned with the financials. Uh, generally what that's going to, uh, work out to somewhere between like, like 13 employees plus or minus. Um, you know, online, all, all systems, open-minded, likes to ask questions, wants to lean on us, wants to have that relationship, wants to give us the opportunity to listen. That's an ideal client. And the same goes for nonprofit side. Uh, the only real difference there is we're going to be working with an executive director as opposed to a board. So a nonprofit uh, organization that's got that one person who's in there, who's an employee, who's going to be that kind of, um, stalwart over the organization because what we see with boards is generally they they turn over quite a bit that makes it a little bit difficult to provide advisory services and have that ongoing relationship so that's generally what we look for there but same size it's like dating the board man like mm -hmm. i just got to know you and then you're gone on to the next yeah, yeah that's <laughs> the thing about volunteer organizations right i mean people get busy they're volunteers so yeah. you know they move on you, they move on yeah if you're going to give good advisory um, services, you've got to be able to listen and you've got to have that consistent relationship. All right. Last little, uh, technical question here. Cause it gets asked, uh, quite a bit, uh, ad spend. Um, I'm collecting ad spend, uh, upfront from my client. I'm spending some, how do I track it where I'm like accounting for what I gave Google or Facebook or whatever versus how much I keep, like what's the best process you've seen to split that accordingly? Yeah. And this, so the, the industry is all over the board on how to do this from an accounting perspective. I take a little bit more of a old school accounting centric approach to it. So there's, there's two ways to do it. One would be you kind of net it against gross revenue and you show it as AGI, adjusted gross, uh, adjusted gross income. And so your revenue number is a little bit lower. The reason why you would do that is just like, hey, you're showing whoever is going to be the decision maker in the business. Like that's not really your money. You didn't really make that. Um, so that, that's one way. The way that I prefer to do it, you show the gross as the gross. So whatever it is that you collected from your client, you show that as a gross. Then you take the ad spend, you classify it as cost of sales or cost of goods sold in QuickBooks parlance, which I hate, but whatever. <laughs> QuickBooks is what it is. And you show it as a variable expense and then that gets you to your margin. The way, the reason why I like that one, it's a more traditional accounting approach, in my opinion, but then also your tax return, the gross income is going to match, right? So you mm. don't have to do this mental gymnastics when I give you the tax returns, like, well, but QuickBooks says this, why is it tax returns? You know, that's why. There's a clear and concise line item that you can see cost of goods that you can say, look, this yeah. is your ad spend. It's clear. It, it's easy to visually display. Yeah. And it gets you to the same place, right? So if you have like, if you have any amount of accounting training 
at all. Like you're going to be able to recognize like, this is what it is. This is what this is. We're good. As opposed to kind of doing this, this mental gymnastics to net it out, to get to a net revenue number, which I think is just a little bit more work than it really needs to be. Plus it gets, it creates a book to tax difference, which you then have to explain at some later point. And it, I just don't see that the, the benefit of it, as so long as you can explain it and tell the story of what's really going on in the business and the economics of the business, you're fine either way. All right. Last one. You ready? Yep. Any technical IRS credits or deductions that a marketing agency should know about probably doesn't. Should know about probably doesn't. Oh, man. QBI is a big one. Um, we ask, you know, we ask about that all the time, like, because we see it messed up so much, frankly, <laughs> got a whole blog post about it. It's been up there for three years and it's still the most viewed page on our, on our website. It's really kind of crazy. The QBI deduction is probably one of those things that uh, really is a little bit misunderstood and probably not utilized as much. Why do you I think that is? Do you think it's just the complexity of it? The is it is it the accountant or the tax preparer doesn't know how to do it, or is it on the book side that it's not shown? Why do you think they don't use a QBI? I'm going I'm going through an amendment right now for a client, actually one that's in California, and it's really kind of fascinating. So the the agency has consulting in the name of the agency. And hmm. the reason why it does is it basically just makes it fancy so that she could charge higher fees. Yeah, but I mean, she's a marketing agency. But, she's a she's a she's a marketer. She's not really a consultant. Um, and if you kind of look the at IRS the IRS rules, yeah, if you look at the IRS rules around what a consultant is and what they really mean by that, like she is not that. So, but she's got consultant name, and she's got this other tax repair who just said, "Oh, well, the name of the agency has consulting in it, so she's a consultant, no SSTB, and, or she's an SSTB and no QBI, and cost her literally tens of thousands of dollars." So that's one way where it it goes crazy. Um, I don't know. I think it's just been really tough in the tax business for the last couple of years. We had um, oh, Tikja, yeah, Tikja get rolled out in 2018, and then. We, you know, once everybody kind of got their arms around that, then you had COVID and all of the nonsense that happened around that. And actually, yep. it's still happening. It's It hasn't gone away. No, um, it hasn't. I, it's just been a tough space. And I think maybe to some extent, it's one of those things that's gotten a little bit lost. Um, but yeah, I mean, we see, we see it all the time. Like just crazy stuff like that. Man, you know it's a problem when the continuing education has to amend their continuing education for the year. Like I've seen my continuing ed like release stuff, and then a few months later they're like, "Well, let's change it up a little bit." Uh, yeah. kind of, I mean, and IRS drops rules like in November and expects to implement them in January. It's it's been a, a nutty kind of couple of years. Chris, and before totally we head out here, man, uh, any last minute thoughts? Um, and also let the audience know. If they want to work with you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So best way to get a hold of me, betterwaycpa.com, straight through the website. You'll find the, um, you know, everything, email, socials on there. It's all on there, betterwaycpa.com. I would just say, you know, the best piece of advice that, well, let me give you two. One, best tax advice that I could give you is actually read your tax return. I know it's it sounds simple, but it's the best piece of advice, tax advice I can give you because then you'll start to you'll start to understand like this is how this works. Where this is where the numbers come from, where they go to. So that's on the tax side, and then just on the business management side, have a good accountant that you can lean on, that you can just you know ask questions of, and just somebody to be that advisor. Also an attorney, same deal. All right, ladies and gents, you heard it. I mean, it really comes down to do you know what you're doing. 
chances are you don't. You can learn for sure, but mm-hmm. at first you don't. And the problem is things happen whether you want them to or not. Like when you stub your toe on the bed, except when you stub your toe in the corporate world, that could be a lawsuit, that could be a tax lien, that could be a bunch of stuff. You don't want to stub your toe there. You guys need help getting yourself situated. Make sure you stop by his website, betterwaycpa.com, betterwaycpa.com. You can reach him and you can reach Chris at email, chris at betterwaycpa.com or find him on IG at betterwaycpa. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Man, uh, taxes are probably the most boring thing that we <laughs> can talk about. But somehow, some way, people like you and I find it super interesting, man. It's where, I know. It's where we keep our money. It's sick. It's ridiculous. But hey, man, thanks again for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.